0: I want to go on and talk about uh, what I was talking about before, and that is when you're full of the Holy Ghost, certain things happen in your life. and One of the things that happens in your life is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not something that you have to work at, it's something that God does in you. Um, If you understand this, no... uh, branch bears fruit of itself what what happens is uh the fruit comes from the stem the abundance of life in the stem that's why uh christ is the vine and you're the branches okay now the fruit that's produced in a life is the abundance of life without abundant life you can't produce fruit but abundant life comes from the holy spirit you're engrafted into him And um, basically, there comes a point where you have to understand that the joy you have and all the other things you have, the attributes of the Spirit, are not something you work at. The fruit of the Spirit comes from a natural outgrowth of an abundant life inside you. Joy is a natural thing. And if you turn with me um, to John 15, Start in John 15, um, John 15. As verse nine, John fifteen nine, are you all there? Okay? John fifteen nine As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you, continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full now if you look very carefully at what he says he said these things have i spoken unto you now what things Uh, he's gone and he's talked about i'm the true vine uh, verse one my father husbandman all right (laughs) verse four abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except you abide in the vine no more can you except you abide in me Now, an abiding in Christ is the only way that you're going to have joy because you're not going to be able to bear fruit in your life and you can't produce fruit unless you abide in Christ and Christ abides in you. And therefore, there is no amount of discipline or lifestyle that is going to produce that fruit. What produces the fruit is the life of Christ in you and you abiding in him. And then he says, There's a condition. If you keep my commandments, verse 10, you shall abide in my love. As I have com- kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. Now it's all conditional upon the abiding. And you can't abide if you don't obey. It's as simple as that. And so the whole of the idea of joy, Christ's joy in you, is obedience to God. Now, not obedience to the law, but obedience to God. Because the Spirit of Christ abides in you, and the Word of God dwells in your heart, and you know what's right and what's wrong. And therefore, if you walk in His will, and it's to do with living his will, you'll have the joy of Christ in you, and it will develop and grow. And you'll bear much fruit. But it's all conditional. There is responsibility on your behalf not to produce the fruit. That's legalism. And if you think that producing fruit is done by discipline, you're wrong. Uh, if you can understand what I'm saying, uh, nothing that you do will make you holy. Nothing that you do will make you sanctified. Nothing that you do will make you redeemed. That's all that Christ did. He did it all. Christ is my redemption. Christ is my sanctification. It's not a process. It's the person. Are you clear about that? So, when fruit has to be produced in the life, it is not produced in the life by you doing something. It's produced in the life by obedience to God's will. And the whole strange thing about it is that if you try and manufacture fruit in your life, you live in legalism and you end up like the Galatians. Uh, And you've gone under law. And you've walked out of the spirit. And most people don't understand the difference. And it's very hard to explain. I'm just trying to think how to put it over in a way that's comprehensible. Um, Obedience to the will of God is not related to law It's related to life. And fruit is not related to life. It's related to what Christ does in you if you keep his commandments. Now his great commandment is that you should love one another. That's the only commandment he's got. And and so um, basically fruit is just a, a, a progressive thing but it is not a sanctifying thing. The devil's whole purpose is to teach holiness teaching, which is demonic and devilish, which concentrates on fruit, which can never be produced by you, because it's only Christ who can produce the fruit. That's why you notice, it's my joy will remain in you. It's not your joy, it's his. It's what he does. And that joy flows and it won't remain in you if you don't remain in the vine. And you can only remain in the vine by being obedient to him. And it's all the law of love. And as long as you understand that, you understand that there is no way that uh, the idea of um, getting sanctified by obedience can be biblical. You see, the Word sanctifies or sets apart, but you are born again in the incorruptible Word of God. That's how we're set apart. We're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. But there's no way that anyone can become more holy or more sanctified. If you're set apart as a vessel, you're set apart by God. And God alone can produce fruit. You can't, a branch can't produce fruit of itself. It just can't. And nothing that you do will ever produce fruit in your life. You'll be under legalism and miserable. You can't be a Christian without Christ. And you can't be a fruit bearer unless you abide in him. I I was reading, and my wife's reading a book and... She pointed out to me, it's on the history of of, of world religions. And here's a rabbi who worked out that basically, though God said you should take a, a disobedient child outside the city wall and you should stone him to death, in the Talmud they say that there's never been a child born who has fitted in to the criteria that warrants it being stoned to death. And then they change what God said was rebellion and disobedience into such an extreme form of behaviour that no child could possibly accomplish it and thereby negate the word of God. And they, they go through certain things that the Jews... Um, and that's why when Jesus came, he says, you've changed the precepts, the, the, the law of God into the precepts of man. That's what happened over the period of time. The Jews didn't any longer look at the word of God. They looked at the interpretation that the fathers and the early fathers had put on it. And so the whole thing was um, portrayed in a totally deceptive way. And I'm sure Dr. Hayden's got a load of other examples, but that's one that was, um, that's in the Talmud. And, and the whole thing was changed. And, and Jesus came to bring it back. Instead of the law of love and the fruit of the Spirit being understood, they've changed it. And the fruit of the Spirit is what you produce in your life by your efforts... And by your discipline and behaviour. And then, if you don't, it means that you basically are uh, you know, needing to discipline your life, read your Bible more, pray more. And if you're troubled by sin or bad habits, then if you pray more, read your Bible more, then God will deliver you. Well, it doesn't work. You can pray all day. And that's what in the early, you know, in, in the early church, Justine um, had a predisposition. well, uh, disposition, let's put it like this, to a female company. Um, now, he, he then thought total abstinence was a virtue. Now, Tertullian came along and had a terrible problem with it because it was holiness by legalism and you got monasticism come out of it where people thought the only way to be holy was to go off and live in monasteries. And no matter how much you you think it does, um, being in a monastery and in a cell and eating bread and water and whipping yourself every other day till your back bleeds will not make you holy because Luther tried it. In fact, it made your back sore which I could have told him without trying it. And then taking hold of relics and kissing them, especially when it was mouldy bones, doesn't help. Unholiness is not gained by a discipline. And that's where Christianity goes so wrong. When you're born again and you're filled with the Spirit, the only demand God has is obedience. That's all. He says, if you keep my commandment, and what is it? It's one command, a new commandment I give, that you love one another. If you abide in my love. And then he says, look, I loved you, my father loved me. I've left my joy in you, that your joy might be full. How's your joy full? By having his joy in you. It remains in you, by you walking in obedience to what he, is his will. And his will is a very different thing than what you think. It's not a legalistic will, it's the will that's simple. And what I was talking about on Sunday was your mind is the battlefield. And when you're born again, what you have to do is you have to put off the old and put on the new. Now most people, the only person they've ever loved is themselves. I mean my Bible says he that loveth his wife loveth himself so to love your wife is self love and to hate your wife is to hate yourself because you become one flesh and it is ridiculous how people don't understand that your love must go beyond yourself we love one another And that is the only commandment that Christ gave to the church. Now if you walk in love and remain in love, then fruit naturally grows. Because you'll abide in the vine. And without abiding in the vine, you never produce fruit. Now is that simple? To actually love each other takes the Holy Spirit. You, you have to be full of the Holy Ghost. Without that, you can't love. You might love your husband or your wife, uh, but that's it. You won't get much, maybe your kids. Uh, but that's it. And if you love your kids, of course, you'll train them up, up in the way they should go. That means you'll live the right way in God, and that means you'll bear fruit, and that means you'll be obedient to His will, And that means you'll be loving other people and your children will learn what the law of love is because they'll see it in you. And without that, you're cursing them. And really, you hate them. Uh, John 8 explains it a little more. John 8. I thought I'd do a book on this, you know. If I could actually get it into comprehensible language, which I doubt. Um, But then, who knows? Uh, Verse 28 of John 8 says, Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me, The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. Uh, It's all to do with Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit was all to do with total obedience to Father. Just doing what pleased Him, not doing what pleased me. And really... 90% of Christendom problems are people do what they want rather than what God wants. They do what pleases them. If you please yourself, you won't please God. And that's it. And if you don't please God, and you're not living for God, you're living for yourself, then you'll never produce fruit. Because you're not abiding in the vine. If you're not inviting in the vine, that's it. Simple, isn't it? So you won't have joy. You'll be miserable. And you deserve the misery you have. When I see someone miserable, I think, well, they're only miserable because they're sinners. I'm happy. God lives in me. I'm grateful to God for his goodness to me. And he's on my side. And that's it. The only miserable person is someone who's living in disobedience to God. Okay? is that plain? Without that, you have nothing. And what has happened in our society is, is um, the church people have come into church, and really what they're after is what they want. <laughs> uh, and they, they couldn't say, well, I do always those things that please him. And that's why they bear no fruit. And that's why in the end, they'll be cut off as an unfruitful branch and cast into the fire. Boom. Uh, And it's not a complicated thing. It's not some great sin. It's just simply that you're pleasing yourself and you're making your own decisions and your own choices in life And fine, you're entitled to make them as long as you know you're going to hell. (laughs) Now, you're not going there because of any other reason than you decided that God is not God. You are. And so you've changed the true image of God into a four-footed beast. That's you. And you're walking about thinking you have control. Well, you do but you'll never produce fruit because the only way to do it is to be obedient to him and abide in him now that two or three gathered together is superstition what Jesus was saying was he's always in the midst doesn't matter whether you've got two or three or ten hundred he lives in me so when I get together with a couple of Christians, of course he is but they're taking that scripture and then they're putting a religious connotation on it and then saying, well, what it means is, therefore, it's okay to meet in houses. But it's not talking about that. It just says, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. Of course he is. He just wants you to know he's always with you. It's no great thing. In other words, when I sit down to the table at home, Jesus is there. <laughs> the Lord's always with us. And the idea that somehow um, that means something that it doesn't actually say is a terrible thing. It's wrong um, hermeneutics and exegesis. When you start taking a scripture and you say, well, it says this, and then you make conclusions from it that aren't in the Bible, that is the way errors propounded and expounded, what they do is they take something and say, ah, says in the Bible this, therefore that. But it wasn't talking about the therefore that, it was talking about this. And all of the error that we've got in the modern church is taking a scripture and concluding something that doesn't relate to the scripture that was used. Um, I'm a great believer in the, the fact that you take the scripture for what it says, like abiding in the vine. Simple. Producing fruit. You can't produce it without Him. Okay, let's go on. Um, John 4. Uh, verse 34 Jesus saith unto his disciples my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest behold I say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labours now I just want to explain what Jesus is saying Jesus is saying uh, a lot of people talk about sowing but actually another sows you know who sows? God you see the seed is the word of God now by the foolishness of preaching the word goes forth But God didn't send me as a sower. He sent me as a reaper. And basically, that's why it's so good to get people to respond. Because if you get them to respond, and you challenge them, you're actually reaping what you didn't labour for. Because we never ever um, produce fruit. Uh, God gives the increase. And it's God's work... And we are entered into God's work. And Jesus said, I'm entered into my Father's work. And I've finished the work. What's the finishing of work? Reaping. You know, when, you, when a field's sown, what do you do? You reap, don't you? And he said, well, the fields are white and ready to harvest. And if you look at the verse before, you'll see what he's saying. Look, it's easy. You don't have to be a great man to know this. Jesus said unto them, my meat, that's meat not milk is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then he goes on and he says look the fields are white already ready to harvest and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. Verse 38. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labour. <clears throat> See I sent you somewhere to reap. And Jesus said meat is to do the will of the Father and the will of the Father is to finish the work and to finish the work is to reap. And so the greatest joy anyone can have is reaping. So evangelism is the greatest joy. And you know God has used methods whereby lots of people that come into a church when you harvest them God over a long period of time has worked on them and you get up and you preach but as long as you've got a sharp sickle and you know how to operate you can reap and you can have fruit unto eternal life without laboring and that's what it's all about and that's where strong meat is Is that easy? Is that understandable? That's what it says in the book. See, it's clear, isn't it? Because Jesus said it. Um, so I'll go on. Okay? Let's leave that one. Because I've got some better ones than that. Um, John 16. John 16 verse 22, here. And you now therefore have sorrow. Now why is he going to have sorrow? Because Jesus is going to be crucified. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man take it from you. And in that day you shall ask him, ask me nothing verily verily I say unto you whatsoever you ask the Father in my name he will give it to you now the joy that comes with the revelation of Christ's redemption ascension and life no man can take it from you when that joy comes no man can take it from you the only way you'll ever lose joy is by stepping out of the will of God And living to do what pleases you instead of what pleases him no man will take it from you now you can leave it but no man can take it from you and and that's what's so important to understand if you end up in misery it's because you're doing what you want not what God wants that's why you're miserable and you deserve may misery remain until you start doing what he wants. See, joy is God's joy. No one will take it from you, but you can leave it. Okay? Start playing. Uh, It's fruit. And it develops and grows, and multiplies and increases. And the only thing that any of you need to do is just obey. Uh, It's so... So easy. No, n- n- never anything difficult about Christianity. It, it's, it's, it's the way people mess it up. John 17. John 17. Verse 13. And now he's talking... Um, The prayer is, um, well I better put it in context. In verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Verse 13, and now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Now you notice he said, verse 14, I've given them thy word. And the world hated them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now don't therefore assume that somehow sanctification's a process because he said I've already given them thy word. It was in them. It was in their heart. Now the only thing that hadn't happened, the Word and the Spirit hadn't joined together because Pentecost was not yet fully come and therefore they weren't born again or filled with the Holy Ghost or baptised in the Spirit or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't care what your terminology is um, but basically until the Word and the Spirit came together what they had they had the joy of christ dwelling in them but they couldn't live as witnesses of that life until they were born from above okay but they were set apart by the word he had spoken unto them and they were chosen vessels is that plain are you all with me so far so good um, one Peter One One Peter One One Peter One Verse Eight. Hold it state verse seven. Uh one peter one okay verse seven that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ whom having not seen you love in whom though now you see him not yet believing You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now there is a sense in which, once you believe, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the end of it, the purpose of it, is the salvation of your soul. In other words, you're saved. Simple as that. And the revelation of Christ both coming, dying, rising, ascending to heaven, pouring out the Holy Ghost is all I need for redemption. And I have everything when I have Christ. There is nothing more. Nothing more. You can't go deeper in God than God. You can't go higher in God than God. You can't go wider in God. God's God. And so, when you have Christ dwelling in you, you have everything that there is possible to have in God. But he comes as three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And that's it. And you've got to be born of the Spirit. And once you are, everything's yours. That's why you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're alive in God. You have life and life more abundant. It's all there in God. Right from day one. And if it hasn't happened, you're not a Christian. Is that okay? Plain? You know, it's... I've never preached this, you know, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, just... Isaiah 35 Isaiah 35 verse 10 and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now the ransomed return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. Do you know there is everlasting joy upon the heads of all Uh, who come to Zion. Now we've come to Mount Zion. We've already come. And Mount Zion speaks. Of New Jerusalem. And New Jerusalem's the mother of us all. And though I don't want to get into eschatology. Because it's um, a dangerous subject. I do want to point out to you. That if you're born again. You're already in New Jerusalem. And if you can't figure that out. Um. You ought to join a four square church and they'll tell you, it doesn't matter. Um, Because it's a four square city, see. And it's got golden streets, but sometime I'll do a whole thing on prophecy, but I don't want to at this point. Um, The most important thing to understand in your life is that joy is part of a Christian heritage. And if you don't have joy, something's wrong with the root of your life you're not rooted in God you're not abiding in the vine and there is something fundamentally wrong with your experience now generally speaking if you've had an experience of God it's basically that you're pleasing yourself instead of pleasing him You're on your own, you have to do the will of God, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. I'm called to harvest, and that's it. Okay, anyone got any questions? that all right, you're all okay. Very simple, isn't it? Now that's one fruit of the Spirit, joy. I'll go on to the others and we'll talk about them. But do understand, you cannot produce fruit. That is just a natural outgrowth of abiding in the vine. And if you abide in Him, you'll bear much fruit. It's all of God. And the one law is the law of love. Against the law of love, there is no law. Okay? And you can't be sanctified by a process. You're either a sanctified person or you're not. According to the Bible. And uh, the Puritans made it very plain. Uh, The early Puritans, uh, later on they got into a mess. John Owen wasn't really quite clear on what he believed. So he wrote 16 uh, books to show his confusion, and they all do. Uh, But generally speaking, the Puritans had a good grasp of what it was to bear fruit. Thomas Watson wrote a book, uh, The Body of Divinity. Excellent book to read. If you get hold of it, a bit heavy it's quite thick um, but it, heavy tome in the sense of the meat in it uh, but basically what it's saying is you've got to abide in Christ and as long as you understand that it's very simple you just do what God says live according to his will not to please yourself but to please him now if you can turn around to God the Father and say I do always those things that please you then you're living a Christian life and you're walking in the Spirit if you do what pleases yourself, you're in trouble okay? and you'll be miserable and I said, okay well there you are, I've done in one hour joy and I could go on and do the other eight fruit of the Spirit but it would be eight more hours. And I decided that it would be a joyful time to stop.